talk to you tonight about something called spiritual awareness. You know, one of the, one of the things in Christianity for Christians is the awareness of what God is doing. And to be aware of what God is doing, we have to be aware of what's going on in the spiritual sense, because God is a spirit. And God works from the spiritual to the natural. And we see in the Bible that everything goes from spiritual to natural. The foundation of everything is spiritual. You see that in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. God. That is the beginning of everything. There was nothing in creation before God. And God is the foundation of everything. And God is a spirit. As, as Jesus said, for God is spirit. And he's in the spiritual realm of things. And what God did to create the heavens and the earth is he spoke them into creation. Uh, the, the theological term, ex nihilo, out of nothing. Well, it wasn't out of nothing in the spiritual sense, but it was out of nothing in the physical sense because there was no physical until God spoke it into existence. But he spoke from the spiritual. The spiritual has always been there because God has always been there. God has no beginning and he has no end. So the entire physical realm is built on a spiritual foundation. Whether we want to recognize that or realize that or not, everything has a spiritual foundation. So as Christians, it is vital that we are spiritually aware. Because if we're not spiritually aware and we only focus on what's going on in the natural, we're missing the foundation of everything. Because ultimately, if there's an issue going on in the natural, it has a spiritual foundation. And in order for a problem or situation to be worked out in the natural, it has to be addressed in the spiritual. It's like if you were to go buy a, a tree from Lowe's and it said apple tree on the, on the tag. You go home, you plant it, a year later it starts popping out oranges you could knock the oranges off the tree and just hope that next year it comes up with apples, but it ain't going to happen. You can knock the oranges off and you can go hang apples on the tree and say it's an apple tree, but it ain't an apple tree. The only way you can make that an apple tree is to go to the root, uproot it, and put in a tree that's actually an apple tree. Well, if we have issues going on in the natural, those are the fruit of the spiritual root. You have to first first address the spiritual root in order to change the natural fruit. But unfortunately, many of us miss that realization and we only focus on the fruit. And we want the fruit to change, but we never address the root. So tonight, what I want to talk about is spiritual awareness that will help us understand how to address the spiritual root in order to see a change in the fruit. Because the fruit is just a natural outcome. It's a natural part of the spiritual process. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, we're all probably very familiar with this passage, but it's really the foundation of what we're going to talk about tonight. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil 
in the heavenly places. Here Paul is telling us that our battle is not natural, it's spiritual. And again, if you're dealing with issues in life, we're ultimately dealing with spiritual issues, not natural ones. And the only way to fix those natural ones is to deal with the spiritual side. But to deal with the spiritual side, we have to be spiritually aware. And that's what I want to focus on tonight, is spiritual awareness. And there's three things in the context of spiritual awareness that we need to work together in order to truly have a spiritual awareness. So the way I'm going to illustrate this, for those of you on the wings, you can see this on the, on the big screen, is I'm going to do it with a triangle. So this... represents spiritual awareness, okay? And there's three points on a triangle, and there's three points I want to, or three areas I want to address in the context of spiritual awareness that work together to create a spiritual awareness in our lives. And here are those three things. Number one is self. We have to be spiritually self-aware of what's going on in us. Number two is situational We have to be situationally aware, spiritually, of what's going on, not only in us, but our interaction with what's going on around us. And then finally, this is the big one, we need a kingdom awareness. Because if we don't have these three things, we cannot be spiritually aware. All three of these things work together to create a spiritual awareness in us. Now, the foundation of these three things are both self and situational awareness. This is where we want to get. Everybody wants to have a kingdom awareness, but to get to kingdom, we have to start here and here. And this is the hardest one. Self-awareness is the hardest part. There's a self-awareness in the spiritual sense that we have to have in order to be spiritually aware. And most people don't want to, excuse me, don't want to address this. The thing is, when you become a Christian, the first promised land, if you will, that God gives you is you. Jesus said just before the Great Commission, he made the great announcement, as some people call it, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Then he makes the Great Commission, go therefore. You can go because I now have all authority. In the context of salvation, in the context of the gospel, the very first thing that you and I are given authority over is ourselves. Prior to this, we are slaves to sin. That's what the Bible tells us. We're born in sin and we are slaves to sin until we have that encounter with Jesus and he gives us that authority over ourselves for the very first time. He removes that sin out of us and he replaces it with his righteousness. But it also comes with spiritual authority. And that spiritual authority first begins with ourselves. I know, excuse me, a lot of people, when it comes to spiritual authority, want to talk about exercising spiritual authority, either in the spiritual realm or over other people or whatever. But 
the first person we need to exercise spiritual authority over is the person staring at us back in the mirror. That's the very first person we need to be exercising spiritual authority over. Because if I can't exercise spiritual authority over the person staring back at me in the mirror, there's no way I'm going to be able to exercise spiritual authority in the kingdom. I am the first person that I need to understand that I have authority over. So what does this mean in the sense of authority? Well, there's two specific areas in the, in the scriptures I want to talk about. Second, Second Timothy 1, seven tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and self-control or a sound mind. The word there in some translations says a sound mind. Some say self-control. The word actually means self-control. Now, how many would like a little self-control in your life? Yeah. You know what self-control is? Taking authority over yourself. But what is self-control? Now, here's the thing, and this is where we get off when it comes to taking spiritual authority or self-control over our lives. We make the mistake thinking that self-control means an act of the will. It is not. Self-control and willpower are not equal because willpower has no power over sin. But self-control has power over sin. So what's the difference between willpower and self-control? The source. Self-control, I mean, willpower comes from here. It's what I try and drum up to try and get myself to do something or, or to be disciplined or whatever. But self-control doesn't come from me. Self-control is not human in its origin. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is not an act of the will, it's a fruit of the Spirit. If you are experiencing a situation in your life where you need more self-control, you don't need to try harder in the sense of your will, you need to get closer to the source of self-control. And that source is Jesus. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Well, what's the primary source of fruit? It's the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. In order to exercise self-control or authority over ourselves, we first need to be walking in fellowship with Jesus. It's the only way we get self-control. You can drum up all the willpower you want. You can have all the accountability partners you want. You know, we have a program here called Celebrate Recovery. I've been through it myself. I am a product of Celebrate Recovery. In Celebrate Recovery, part of what we do is we set people up with accountability partners, people to help them walk the journey of recovery. Well, there's been a lot of people who've come into Celebrate Recovery, they get set up with accountability partners, and they just fall right off the wagon again. Because accountability partners are not some magical thing that all of a sudden fixes your life. Accountability partners are there to help you as you grow in your self-control, but they can't give you self-control. And if you're living your life 
to try and please somebody else or just try to make somebody else like you by following the rules that never works. That never works. It's the same thing in Christianity in the context of if you're just trying to live your life based on a set of rules and regulations, that won't work. Because rules and regulations are there to show us we can't do it in the first place. It's the whole purpose of the law was to show us that we cannot live up to the law. It revealed to us we need Jesus. And in our relationship with Jesus is where we get that fruit of self-control. Self-control is a fruit, is not a root. Jesus is the root. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So if we want more fruit, we got to get deeper in the root, which is Jesus. And part of that is, is what Paul talks about in Romans 12 in the renewing of our mind. Now, the renewing of our mind is not, not just changing what we think. It's changing how we think. There's a big difference. You can put a whole bunch of information in your mind, but you're not necessarily renewing your mind. I know a lot of people who know a lot of theology whose lives are an absolute mess because their minds have not been renewed. They've been informed, but they haven't been transformed. And there's a big difference. There is a big difference between information and transformation. The number one purpose of the Bible is not to inform you. It's to transform you. In our walk with Jesus, when we get into the Word, the purpose of the Word getting into us is to transform us, not just inform us. Yes, there's information. Yes, doctrine and theology are good things, and it's good things to know that. that. You know, obviously, Pastor Jeff preaching Romans on Wednesday night is a good thing. We have a full Bible college and seminary here. That's a great thing. But information does not have the power to transform Only Jesus has the power to transform. And if we do not get closer to Jesus, we cannot be self-aware. Because true self-awareness is not just some psychological term or, or state. It's actually being transformed into the person God intended us to be when he first created us. Discipleship is not about doing something for Jesus. It's about becoming someone in Jesus. The purpose of Christianity is not to go do something great for God. The purpose of Christianity is to become someone, to become the person God created you to be. Because when you become that person... You naturally just do the things that type of person does and you fulfill the things that God wants you to do. But the becoming has to come first and that's the hard part. And that's why most people want to skip that part. They want to skip over that. Let's just get to the doing. What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to get closer to Jesus. That's what you're supposed to do. Because as you get closer to Jesus, 
it creates this paradigm shift in the way you think, not just how you, what you think, but how you think. And it changes that perspective. We need somebody who's outside of our perspective to give us a whole new perspective, and that's Jesus. And, and part of this goal of changing or renewing our mind is getting ourselves to a point where we're no longer slaves to our own thoughts. How many times in our lives have we had just this negative thought train just go completely off the rails and we just can't stop it? And, you know, we're up till 4 o'clock in the morning just, you know thinking and and just whatever that situation is we get further it's just like this spiral sucks us down and it just goes negative and and it it just destroys our attitude it destroys our our actions and we just it's like we're a slave to this thinking pattern well, that's part of the aspect of renewing the mind. Because you never do something without first thinking about it. And in that process of that pattern of negative thinking, it always leads to some, some bad decision somewhere. You know, I'm not saying you go out and, you know, do something illegal. But what I am saying is maybe you respond to somebody in a way, you know what, you probably shouldn't have said those things you probably shouldn't have responded that way. Or you probably shouldn't have made those decisions because that, that negative environment that created in your head is not actually reality. And changing the way you think is learning to derail those types of patterns in our lives to where they don't control us anymore. That's part of being self-aware also, is realizing, you know what? I have been given the authority to change the way I think and to be aware of what I think and then change the way I think. You know, we want to change what everybody else is thinking, but I'm not even going to think about what I'm thinking. We have to do that because if we're not willing to do that, the old nature that we still wrestle with and the enemy that drops those fiery darts into our mind all of a sudden have free reign on just derailing us all the time. And we get into these patterns of being derailed over and over and over and over again. Have you ever met somebody where they're, it's almost as if their, their entire identity is don't go near that person. You know, they're like, woo, you don't, just don't go near them. Because it's as if their identity is they're, you know, they're angry or they're bitter or they're resentful. And that's what they're known for. Well, where's that coming from? It's coming from their thinking. And they're, they're being ruled by this negative thinking pattern. We all have these old soundtracks that run through our heads we have the authority and the self-control through the relationship with Jesus to derail all that. But we have to be intentional to do it. It's not accidental. 
It's intentional. And part of being self-aware is realizing that those old tapes that run through our head and what they tell us about ourselves are actually lies. Here's the truth in regards to our identity. There's two sources we can get our identity from. Number one is the old tapes. And it's things that we've done. It's things that have been done to us. It's things that we've said. It's the things that have been said about and to us that just run nonstop. And they get triggered every now and then. You're driving in traffic. Somebody cuts you off and all of a sudden, you know, you're 10 years ago and this thing's running through your head as if it happened yesterday. And your attitude just goes south and you're taking it out on this poor little old lady who just can't see over the you know, steering wheel, accidentally cut you off or whatever. And you're living 20 years ago for something that's not even in existence anymore. So we can draw our identity from those old tapes or we can draw our identity from the gospel. And as Christians, too often we give the tapes more authority than the gospel. We give the past more influence than we do Jesus. And we allow the words that have been spoken in the past more influence than the word that was spoken by Jesus in the word. As Christians, we have to remember who we are. The gospel is not just something that tells us where we go 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. It's not about something in the future. Yes, we get to go to heaven one day. That is not the goal of the gospel. The goal of the gospel is for you to, first of all, be restored in relationship to the Father, which we were just talking about a few minutes ago. That's number one. Then number two, it's to become the person God created you to be in the first place. That's the gospel. It's not about just going to heaven one day. I think sometimes we, we just we slip into that mindset. It's all about going to heaven. Well, God's not in the heaven population business. He's in the relationship restoration business. The reason we go to heaven is because we have a restored relationship. It's not the other way around. We don't have a restored relationship because we're going to heaven one day. So we got to remember who we are in Christ. And the only way we do that is through the renewing of our mind. And the more we allow that self-control to take authority over those old tapes with the truth of the gospel, the more we become self-aware in our new identity. But that's a process, and it takes time, and it's intentional. It is not accidental. It is intentional, and it's hard work. And this is why the vast majority of people skip the self-awareness part of the spiritual awareness triangle. And this will derail the whole thing right here. This is why most Christians are not spiritually aware because they have not been willing to do the hard work here. If you don't do this, you'll never get here. The vast majority of Christians in, in the church today are not living with a kingdom mindset. They're not living with a kingdom purpose because they've skipped the self-awareness part. They're not walking in a gospel identity. You cannot walk into your kingdom purpose until you're walking in your gospel identity. 
Because the gospel identity is the only identity that can handle the weight of the kingdom purpose that God has for you. And it's, believe it or not, it is God's mercy that he has not allowed the weight of the kingdom purpose to fall on your shoulders yet because you're not walking the gospel identity yet. Because it would crush you. It would crush me. I could not do this 20 years ago. There's no way. I was not ready. I was not walking in the, in the gospel identity that I'm walking in today. It's a process. And we have to allow God to work in that. But it is an intentional process. There's so much more to this uh, that I just don't have time for tonight. But just be aware, self-awareness is vital in the spiritual awareness triangle. So let's look at situational awareness next. Many of you know I was a police officer. I was a police officer in Fort Worth for 10 years. And one of the things that I was taught as a police officer is situational awareness. Always know your surroundings. And whenever I talk about this training with PD, I always have the opportunity to kind of share a disclaimer with everybody. Because if you ever have an opportunity to sit up here and speak to me for a few minutes and you notice me scanning the room, it's not because I'm bored with the conversation. I've had a couple of people ask me, oh, do you have to be somewhere? I don't even realize I'm doing it anymore. I will scan the room just every now and then. I'll be talking to somebody and I'll just scan the room because I'm situationally aware. It was beat into me for 10 years to be situationally aware. If you, if you know a police officer, you know when we go into a restaurant, we always sit facing the door because if something's coming, I want to see it coming. I do not want to be ambushed from the rear. So we're always situationally aware. Well, it's the same thing in the context of spiritual awareness. We as Christians need to be situationally aware of what's going on around us. So in the context of being situationally aware, we have to be aware of our environment and how we interact with it. There's just two environments I want to talk about tonight just real briefly. There's an internal environment and an external environment. So the internal environment, you know, we kind of touched on that a little bit here in the, in the self-awareness, but part of the internal environment is a little bit more than just the self-awareness part. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says this, The natural man or the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. For he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? Here's what that means. You and I, in our natural state, cannot understand anything of spiritual truth. We do not have that capacity. If God did not reveal the fact that he even existed, we wouldn't know God existed. Now, we just finished Romans 1, 2, and 3. There are three revelations that are, are shown in, in Romans 1, 2, and 3. In Romans 1, we see the light of creation. God reveals himself in creation. So that's the first area of revelation. The next, in Romans 2, we see the light of conscience. God reveals himself through the conscience. And then finally, in Romans 3, we see the light of Christ. So there's three. The first two are general revelation, and then, of course, we have special revelation through Christ. If those three things were not in place, we would have no clue God even existed. 
we'd be running around doing our stuff, doing whatever. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be in church. There wouldn't be a church because we wouldn't even know there was a need for a church because we wouldn't know God existed. We do not have the capacity to understand anything spiritual. That's how devastating sin is. Sin has blinded us. We are so blind to spiritual truth. It's the same blindness this podium has to math. This podium has no capacity to understand math. That's how blind we are to spiritual truth. And that's how much we need Jesus. And this is how great a miracle salvation is. Salvation is literally a spiritual resurrection from the dead. I know we love to see people raised from the dead, but when you see somebody come to Jesus for the first time, you are seeing a spiritual revel- uh, resurrection right in front of your eyes. It is a, it is the greatest miracle that could ever happen. It's greater than somebody literally being raised from the dead. Because God can raise somebody from the dead without Jesus coming to earth. He can not do that spiritually without a sacrifice. And that's why we have Jesus. Spiritual resurrection cost God his son. It is the greatest miracle that we'll ever, ever see. And that's how dead we are to spiritual truth. Now, even as Christians, we still have the old nature, the old natural man, as Paul calls it. The only way we understand anything of spiritual truth is because the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. If you're reading the Bible and something just jumps out at you and you're like, wow, I never caught that before. That is an encounter with God through the Holy Spirit. I don't have the ability to understand anything of spiritual truth in the Bible without the Holy Spirit revealing it to me. I don't care how smart you are. You could be president of Mensa and not be able to understand anything in the Bible. You could have 1,500 doctorate degrees in every discipline in the world. You're still not smart enough to understand anything of spiritual truth. That's how dependent we are on God. That's part of the understanding of our situational awareness. That's how important it is, our our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because we are spiritually and mentally incapable of learning anything of spiritual truth. It can only be revealed. You know, uh, in that in that same uh, book, Paul talks about, and we, we you know we quote this verse a lot. No eye is seen, no ear is heard, what God has prepared for those who love Him. But we we stop there. That's not where the ver- that's not where the the chapter ends. There's another verse that says, "But God has revealed those things by." His Spirit. How do we know all these great things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard? We know them by His Spirit. Through revelation. We cannot understand a thing when it comes to spiritual truth. We are 
completely and totally dependent on God. So if we're going to have spiritual awareness, we better have that vibrant relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. It's the only way we can understand anything spiritual. And then on the emotional and physical side, uh, you know, we, we talked about those old tapes. You know, those old tapes, they fuel the, the emotions. Because, you know, when those old tapes start running, guess what gets fired up? That furnace of emotion, man. That thing just goes off the rails. And there's also a physical side. I'm not going to spend too much si- uh, time on this. But when it comes to the emotional, physical side, the emotional side, of course, is part of those old tapes. But it's also an aspect of allowing or, or allowing the authority we have over our emotions. We are not slaves to our emotions. I know a lot of people who tend to be slaves to their emotions. But because of the gospel, we are not slaves to our emotions. Just like we can take authority over those old tapes, we can take authority over our emotions. Too often we allow unfettered access to our actions, to our old tapes and our emotions. We just let it fly with no filter. We have the authority to put a filter there. And then on the physical side, we are both a physical and spiritual being. We have both of those sides. And the physical impacts the spiritual, the spiritual impacts the physical. One of the things I tell our Bible college students is, and I don't have statistics to back this up, so don't hold me to this. This is just my own opinion based on experience. But the number two thing that takes people out of ministry is health. Number one is moral failure. Number two is health. I've talked to pastor many times. Many, many people he grew up with spiritually are no longer in ministry because of health issues. So, again, I'm not going to go too much into this right now. I just encourage you, take care of your body. It's the only one you got. And it does have the ability to take you out when it comes to fulfilling your kingdom purpose. Now, I know not everybody's called into full-time ministry. I, I, I don't want to convey that. That's not my point. My point is health can have a serious negative effect on your life. Now, I realize we live in a sinful world and there's sickness and all that. I get all that. But do what you can to keep yourself healthy. That's all I'm going to say about that. So that's the situational side on the internal, spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional. And then the external side is the influence That's our influence to those around us. Acts chapter 17 says that God has specifically placed us where we are and when we are. We are not here by accident. None of us in this room right now are living where we live in the time we live by accident. It is on purpose, for a purpose. And it is for us to have influence to those around us. You know, I know we want to see the world saved, but God wants you to start with your world and those around you. You know, when he gave the Great Commission, he said, you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. Well, what is your Jerusalem? Your Jerusalem is your friends, family, and acquaintances, people you work with, 
just those that God has placed around you. That's your Jerusalem. You are called to be the light of the world. And it begins with your world, those around you. The external situational awareness is to be aware of what God is doing in other people's lives and how you can respond and cooperate with what God is doing to help them respond to God. If you've never been through the study, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, oh, I cannot, ex- I cannot recommend that more highly than anything else. Uh, in my opinion, that is one of the most comprehensive understandings of how the kingdom of God works other than the Bible. In there, he explains how to see what God is doing in other people's lives, how to respond to it so that you can help them respond to God. I mean, it's unreal how comprehensive and simple it is. So when it comes to influencing people, we want to make sure that we are the ones influencing them and that they're not influencing us. That's the basic start of it. But then in influencing other people, we want to make sure that we're watching to see what God's doing in their life and then help them respond to what God's doing. Because again, when it comes to salvation, I don't have the ability to save somebody, but I have the ability to cooperate with what God's doing in somebody's life so they can respond to that call of God on their life for salvation. But we have to be careful when it comes to our influence that we're cooperating with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and not the condemnation of the enemy. There's a big difference big difference. Jesus said that the Spirit will have the ability to convict the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness. That key word is convict. Because in Romans 8, 1, Paul, uh, Paul says that there is now there no, there, therefore no condemnation. Those two words are not interchangeable. They're two completely different words. And they're two, two completely different things. Condemnation is from the enemy. Conviction is from the Lord. And unfortunately, oftentimes as Christians, we get those two mixed up. Conviction is driven by love. Condemnation is driven by judgment. And we have to be very careful that we are not interrupting the conviction of the Lord with condemnation. So as an influencer, we need to make sure we're walking in step with the Spirit in regards to conviction. And there's a lot more to this that I just don't have the time to go into tonight, but I want you to be aware of that, that there's a significant difference between conviction and condemnation, and there's a significant difference in the outcome of those as well. So that is situational awareness. That's the internal and then the external. So finally, we get to the big one, which is kingdom, the kingdom awareness. And this is why this is so important. Jesus said in John 5, 19, the son can do nothing on his own, he can only do what he sees the Father do. Okay, so 
if Jesus himself is saying, I can't do anything on my own, how much can we do? Less than nothing. You know, what's less than zero? If Jesus himself said, I can't do anything other than what I see my father do, then maybe it's important for us to know what God's up to. Because Jesus did what he saw his father do, and he did everything the father wanted him to do, and never sinned, and fulfilled everything that God called him to do. The only way we can do that is if we know what God is up to, and what God's doing around us, and cooperating with that, and following God's lead. And the only way we can do that and see what God is doing is if we have these other two pieces in place, self-awareness and situational awareness. You know, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 16, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and said, hey, uh, will you show us a sign from heaven? In verse 16, chapter, or chapter 16, verse 2, Jesus said this, when it's evening, you say, it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today for the sky is threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. As Christians, we need to be aware of what's going on and what the signs of the times are. To be kingdom aware of what God is up to, not just what everybody else is up to. You know, a lot of Christians are aware of pop culture, and a lot of Christians are aware of political culture. There's a million Christians right now that are aware of political culture. And unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians who are more politically aware than they are kingdom aware. Well, here's the thing. This world is not going to be saved by a political party or a politician. It's going to be saved by Jesus. There's no hope in politics. I'm not saying don't be involved, don't vote. Don't, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is don't put our hope there. Because only Jesus can change the world. And being politically aware is okay but it's not okay if it supplements being kingdom aware. Because the only thing that is going to be fulfilled is God's will. No matter what happens, no matter who's in authority, it doesn't matter what party or person is in the White House, Jesus is still on the throne. And no matter what happens, God's will will be done. And if we're kingdom aware and not distracted by the pop culture or the political culture, we can stay focused on what God's doing and stay in cooperation with what he's doing and advance the kingdom. But we can't do that unless we're self-aware and, and, and situationally aware. Those are the foundations of these two. Here's another reason why it's so important to be Self-aware, situationally aware, and kingdom aware. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk, for good works which he prepared in advance that we should walk in them. God not only prepares us, 
He prepares the good works. And there are very specific things that God wants us to do in his kingdom. Now, a few minutes ago, I said it's not about doing, because it's not. It's about becoming. God's taking care of the good works. He's preparing those things for us to do them. He's waiting for the intersection of us to be prepared and the good works to be prepared. And in the fullness of time, the two will be joined together and it will flow out of us. Jesus didn't have to sit around trying to figure out what God was up to. He just walked in it. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Too often in in ministry, it's just the opposite. And I don't mean full-time ministry. I mean any type of ministry, any type of kingdom work. It becomes a burden. It's hard. We're striving. That's not kingdom work. Doesn't mean it's not hard work. How many times have you done something you love? It's hard work, but it just flows. That's the kingdom. It's going to be hard work sometimes, and it's going to be hard, but it's going to flow because it's no longer dependent on me. It's me being in line with him and him flowing through me. But I have to be in a position to be prepared for the good works that he's prepared so that in the fullness of time, that preparation turns into kingdom work. That's why it's so important to be kingdom aware. Because if I know what's going on in the kingdom, it doesn't matter what the political or pop culture or anything else is going on, I just stay in line with the kingdom and God's will will be done and whatever God has called me to do is going to happen anyways. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. Because nobody can stop what God's doing. That's why it's so important for a Christian to be spiritually aware. Spiritual awareness is a combination of self-awareness, spiritual or situational awareness, and kingdom awareness. These three together create an environment of personal discipleship and development. And right now in the church in America, we are desperately in need of kingdom people. We are desperately in need of kingdom leaders. God always preserves a remnant. Always. There is no doubt in my mind that there is yet to be another great move of God. There's no doubt in my mind. And in fact, I believe, again, I don't have any, I don't have a thus says the Lord word. It's just, I just believe this. Take it for what it's worth. I believe the next move of God is going to be the greatest we've ever seen in the history of the, of the church. If, you know, the people like Charles Finney, John Wesley, um, all the revivalists, you know, we read of their stories and go, man, I wish I could have lived during their day. Man, if they could read a book of what's yet to come, of what we're going to live through, I guarantee you they go, man, I wish I could have lived up at that point. Because I think it's going to be the greatest move we've ever seen. And God right now is looking for people who are willing to be prepared for when that happens. God is working on the good work of a, of a revival and awakening that is yet to come. He's looking for people like you and me. He's not looking for spiritual giants with big names. He just wants somebody who's willing to be prepared.
That's it. History is littered with everyday, average, ordinary, quote-unquote, people who humble themselves before an extraordinary God and were involved in extraordinary things. And since every single one of us in here, if you believe in Jesus, have been made extraordinary by the gospel, there's no excuse why God can't use you. There is zero excuse why God can't use you. It all comes down to, are you willing to be self-aware, situationally aware, kingdom aware, so that you are spiritually aware of what is and is about to happen and position yourself to be used by God to change the world. These kingdom leaders that God is looking for, that he's, he's preparing right now. Imagine sitting in a church next to Charles Finney and not knowing it was Charles Finney. Imagine sitting in a church next to Billy Graham and not knowing it was Billy Graham. Or Charles Spurgeon. Or anybody, you insert name here. Well, how about you insert your name here? Because the same God, the same Spirit, the same Jesus that resided in them resides in you. And right now, God is looking for people who are willing to be prepared for the next generation of history makers and nation shakers in Jesus' name. Will you stand with me as we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you just for who you are. And Lord, I thank you that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, tonight, Father, we stand before you whole and complete and righteous in your sight. Lord, I pray for each and every person. Lord, that you would give them that desire to be self-aware, situationally aware, kingdom aware, so that we can be spiritually aware and prepared for the good works that you are preparing already so that in the fullness of time, Lord, you would raise up a new generation of kingdom leaders Because we know, Father, and we just, Lord, we just believe that you are yet to move in a way that we have yet to see. So, Lord, we just say tonight, as Isaiah said, here am I, Lord. Send me and use me, Father, in whatever way you will, so that the world may know that there is a God in heaven who loves them. There is a gospel of Jesus Christ that is a power of God unto salvation. And Lord, there's a hope that can lead to an eternity of joy. And Lord, we thank you for doing it. And Father, we just commit everything to you. And when it's all said and done, Father, we just pray that no person, no entity, no, no event, no nothing gets glory but Jesus. And Lord, we just, we just give it to you tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand tonight.